0: So, hey,
1: we were thinking of a great title for you guys today. I got a little bit of military background. We got any military in the house, just raise your hand. Thank you for Woo! your service. Thank you, thank you, thank Appreciate you. Appreciate that, you, you bet. So we're gonna call this message 27 years in the trenches. And we're gonna tell you about a little bit of trench warfare that we've discovered wow. over the years. It's so. not
2: all trenches in warfare. That's true. After I 27 years, like I, I not only love him, but I like him even more now. And uh, we just decided that in this relationship series, we would share with you together yes. some of the things we've learned yeah. and hopefully give you a, like kind of a leg up on, um, on making it awesome. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So in the trenches, yes. there we are 27 years ago. That. Babies. Yeah. Oh, that's yep. yes. well, it's good. But we yeah. have learned a lot. And, um, you know... Anything you want to be good, you have to build, right? Yeah, you're not just going right. to get it. You're not just going to have it. You have to build it. So if you have to build a marriage also. Yeah. And I was actually um, asked to preach in this series on my own, and then we were chatting about it, and Charles had such an incredible revelation. I was like, let's do this together. Yeah.
1: So we're going to give you a little segment of like kind of what God unpacked for me, but uh, it goes all the way back to kind of where uh, where marriage began and the first argument. Back in the Garden of Eden, it was back with Adam and Eve. There was one tree they weren't supposed to touch, Eat of the fruit. It was God's tree. And then the devil sneaks in, whispers to Eve, and convinces her to take what's God's. Now, from when we unpack the story, it appears that Adam was right there with her, listening to all these lies from the devil, and proceeded to partake in that sin. And everything changed from then. So as God was unpacking, there's so many revelations just in that story. But basically, in that one scene, you know, Adam failed to protect. He failed to correct. He failed to provide the right things. And he basically let this happen. And so, you know, when he's confronted by God can see there's a separation in the relationship. And he's asking, Adam, where are you? you know, when he's finally confronted with what happened, he says these words. And it's all how you say these words in your relationship that makes all the difference. So he said it like this, the woman you gave me. I mean, that's a lot of blame right there. He's blaming Eve, he's blaming God, he's blaming everybody but himself. But we want to redeem that today, and maybe you're seeing your spouse like that today, but we want you to see your spouse like this. The woman, the incredible gift, beautiful, talented, strength, wisdom, I mean, God, you must really love me. You must really love me to make flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, my other half, I mean, together we're going to accomplish the world. So thank you for giving her to me. The woman you gave me.
2: Two really good perspectives.
1: Now, isn't that a different way of looking at things? So I just want to touch on that today. That's how we maybe need to get back in our relationships is having that first look Mm -hmm. at the woman or the husband that God gave you. What you championed about that relationship, how in love you were. You could see no wrongs, no faults, but you were so excited that you got the potential to do life together. So that's how we want you to see your spouse. And if you're single in here, we got some stuff for you too. You can become that person that's going to be so attractive to your other half. Build it right now. Work on yourself. Do the things you need to do to hone the gold, to hone the strength that you've got within you. Work on any areas of weakness, but become the best you that you can be. And then when you meet that right person, it is just going to flow. It's just going to be incredible. So let's uh, break down, you know, know, actually I was praying for God for a wife. Uh, He didn't make me suffer too long, about three months after 27 years of wandering the earth and and looking in all the wrong places. I think they wrote a country song about that. So, yeah, I lived that. So, finally, I gave it up to God. I prayed, and I said, God, you know, I want the woman that you made for me. And so he answered my prayer. And so when I look at my beautiful bride, I think that, you know, and i got to be careful how I say this. I was
2: just going to say be careful.
1: (laughs) I'm going to say it with positivity. Yeah, you are. But she is strong. She is opinionated. She is fiery.
2: She's fabulous. She
1: is fabulous. She is passionate. She is a loud woman of strength.
2: Why is it always loud in there with me?
1: (laughs) Because half the time, you know, we're talking, I'm like, babe, I'm right here. Who are you talking to? The neighbor's five houses down? I can hear you.
2: Sometimes I don't know if you're listening, (laughs) so I have to get louder.
1: I can understand. I can understand. (laughs) So you can see those qualities in your spouse as bad or a blessing. And we want to encourage you today to see it as a blessing. So, you know, I love her strength. She's strong in all the right areas. And especially she has high standards for our marriage. Somebody needs to in the relationship. I didn't have a good track record of seeing a lot of high standards. So I'm just proud that like she wants the best marriage that we deserve and we fight for that. And then also our parenting. She wants us to be the best parents, and she wants a better future. She doesn't let me settle in the comfort zone. So her strengths come out in those areas. And then sometimes as we're talking and discussing, I can get triggered a little bit. Like when she says, what are you doing tomorrow? And I go to, like, judgment. It's just a
2: question. You
1: know, I know what I'm doing tomorrow. Why do you want to know what I'm doing tomorrow? (laughs) So I, I... Wow. I I had to realize that she wasn't so much yeah planner I felt like I was a little bit micromanaged but uh, she knows I can get distracted. But what she was trying to communicate that I didn't see was that she wanted, she had plans for her day. She wanted to see what my plans were so she could help me, and especially help me not get distracted, to stay on course, build our goals and our dreams. I was just trying to help you. I know that now, honey. I know. I didn't know it we're then. We're going to help
2: the people <laughs> yes. if they're not if they're in the same place.
1: Yeah, and she's also strong in communication. Uh, how many of you love it when your wife comes to you and says... We need to talk. I was like, do you go to faith or do you go to fear? (laughs) I have to admit, I go to fear. I'm like, oh, man, what have I done? So, but I always feel like I'm in trouble. But, you know, what I I also am thinking is like, what is she going to add to my plate? You know, because a lot of times I'm very independent, I already have my agenda, you know, and so I have to just like pause and take a step back and realize that she's for me. So when she says we need to talk, you know, we need to reflect, I need to reflect on what is she trying to communicate, what is she trying to say, and I need to feel like, you know, she's partnering with me in whatever that is, instead of forced compliance,
2: Forced compliance. Yes,
1: sometimes I feel like Uh, my day gets hijacked and I got the honeydew list and I got to do what you want me to do instead of what I planned to do. Forced
2: compliance. It's a
1: little strong, I know. That was
2: not in our vows, forced compliance. So I think you're going to be good. (laughs) Maybe it should have been. all right, but I have learned that it is all in the delivery, yes. right? Yes. For example, when he's driving to church and trying to get us here on time, and he's driving like a maniac, and he explains to me who tends to get car sick while he's weaving in and out of traffic, babe, it's fine. My grandpa was a race car driver. He was. Like That's supposed to mean, <laughs> like, like just by genetics, he's a race car driver now,
1: see? He rode six inches from the bumper and never hit anybody.
2: So I am not always delivering what I'm trying to say nicely. Sometimes I'm like, what in the actual are you driving like that for? I am so carsick, why are you a maniac? Girls, never drive like your dad, okay? That's not the best way to communicate. I am learning and I have learned that I could instead say something like this, hey babe, I love that you want to win in everything that you do. Yeah, I am so impressed with how competitive you are, yeah, and I want to challenge you right now. I bet you could still get us to church safely and on time <laughs> if, you did, if you drove just a little bit more smooth. Yeah. See the difference between those two?
1: <laughs> that's a lot better than what I normally hear, which is, <gasps> did you see that car? Are you trying to kill us? What are you thinking? Can anybody relate? I have a mini heart attack. If I ever get I had accident, a mini heart attack too. That her. is why that comment
2: came out of my mouth. I, I couldn't even get words out. I'm I just startled. look up and I think we're going to die. That's why I say that. <laughs>
1: Oh, but we have survived 30 years of great driving. I haven't hit anybody. Oh, you
2: survived 30 years of great driving. Yes. I'm still trying to survive your amazing driving. Well, that's when
1: I say, you know, babe, just close your eyes. I'll wake you when we get there. No,
2: it doesn't work that when you That does not go sits. over
1: where, very well. Don't try it, man. I like tried it. That's like trying
2: to say calm down, yeah. right, when your lady's upset. All right, but the Bible, let's talk about what the Bible says, okay? Not talk Not what Charles has to say. The Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing so i have to look at the word good and i think okay is the way i'm communicating with charles good or is it critical is it nagging and and here's what's amazing the word of god always has a lot to say about that proverbs 21:19 says it's better to live in a desert and when i think desert i think like palm springs with, you know, a cocktail in my hand in the pool. That's not the kind of desert that they're talking about. Right. God is talking about a barren desert with yeah. no life. Nobody wants to have a marriage or a life with nothing living in it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's better to live in a desert with a complaining and nagging, than with a complaining and nagging wife. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Proverbs 21:15. A quarrelsome wife is as annoying as a constant dripping on a rainy day. Yeah, ooh, ouch, that stung a little bit, right? Um, Imagine a constant dripping. Like, here's what's so beautiful about God. He takes something healthy and pure, and actually something that we need, like water. Can't live without it, right? We use water. We actually have a drip system in our front yard, right? Drip placed in the right thing, a drip of water, can actually bring life. Mm -hmm. But dripping placed in the wrong place Or in a nagging way or in a critical way, anyone that's had any sort of water damage in your house can tell you that just a little bit of drip not handled the right way can bring a lot of destruction.
1: Yeah. So one of the good things that we want to focus on with our spouse and our spouse's strengths, you know, I love that she's strong, you know, and her strengths really help keep me accountable and not settle. You know, a lot of times she challenges, you know, the gifting she can see within me, my potential, my calling, doesn't allow me to stay in a comfort zone, Uh, helps me lead in ministry in so many areas, help me be a better father, raise these amazing girls that God has given me. And so those strengths are things that I've learned to appreciate, to love, and to just thank God that she can see what I can't see and being that helpmate that helps me become better in all those areas. And one of the areas I think a lot of men probably have some challenges in, especially if you didn't see it modeled by a great earthly dad, is when we fail to lead. You know, her strength will take over when I fail to lead. So, men, if you're seeing this in your marriage, could it be that you've stepped back in leading your wife or your family in the vision for 2024, the mission, the plans, the goals, what are you going to do each month to achieve those things? You know, we had a family meeting in uh, January. We all sat down, we all created our word for the year that's going to hallmark our year, and what are the things we really wanted to accomplish in 2024? And this year, I decided that every month we're going to have a check-in and a check-up and see how did you progress toward those things? Is that still your word for the year? And let's make plans each and every month to move that vision, that mission, that goal so at the end of 2024, we all win individually and we all win as a family. So that's how my bride's strengths can really help champion me to be the leader God has called me to be.
2: Yeah, it's really important that he leads. And you'll see this all over if you just look at the world. You know, if someone's not leading, and the Bible tells us in Ephesians 5.22, Wives, follow the lead of your husbands as you follow the Lord. The husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. And, you know, if somebody's not leading, it's really hard to follow. And if somebody doesn't lead, then someone else has to pick up the torch and lead. Mm-hmm. And what you see is if he decides not to lead, then I am going to be like, well, then I'm going to lead. But the problem is I'm going to I'm going to take myself in whatever direction, you know, I feel like I need to lead in. What happens is I'm going in this direction. He's leading himself in this direction. That's never going to end well. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. And so we had to learn, he had to learn, really, how to communicate. Like, okay, if you have a mission for our family, if you have a vision for our family, then tell me what it is. Because we would have, like, arguments because I would feel like he wasn't leading. And in, like, frustration, he would say something really brilliant. I do not recommend this. Like, why can't you just be more submissive? And I was like, oh, oh, really? Uh Trigger word. Watch out. Um... (laughs) And I mean, even just like saying that word, there's probably some of you in here that are triggered, right? Because the word submission is used in the Bible. And here's what's interesting. God gave it to us to bring strength. But the devil, like what, he, what which is what he likes to do usually with God's word, has distorted that. Yeah. He's made it turn into something that means control or something that means um, even like sometimes even abusive. That's not what submission is. The word by definition means to come under a mission, So if you've ever been on any sort of team and had a coach or if you have ever, you know, been even an employee, you've come under a mission, Mm -hmm. you know, if if you have a business that doesn't have a mission statement, there's just total chaos. That doesn't work, right? You're not going to get anywhere. There's going to be no success, no fruit out of something like that. And our God is a God of order. So he's put that in our life to help us and to guide us. So if Charles doesn't communicate the mission, we're going to go in two different directions. And not everyone is like us. That's right. As you can probably tell, we are two firstborns, okay? A little bit strong-willed.
1: A little bit of friction there. A little
2: bit of... um of type A, you know, we both have strategic, we're both a little strong, we both know how to get things done, but his way is completely different than my way. And so we've had to learn how to work together in those ways.
1: Absolutely, and what you'll probably find in relationship is uh, maybe someone is stronger in one area, and someone is not so much weaker, but they're they're not as dominant in that area. And that, over time, can create friction itself, when it's meant to be a great thing. So you have to ask yourself, am I domineering in all areas of my relationship, in my decision-making, or are you taking into account your spouse's point of view? You know, what we've discovered is that we each have a voice in the relationship, and we need to each be able to speak and to ask each other of our opinions and let each other, like, lead sometimes. Maybe if you feel strong that you could lead in this area, but why not let your spouse lead? You know, why not encourage them, build their confidence in a certain area? You know, and one of the areas I've really been processing is uh, I am a slow processor. You know, when my wife speaks, I feel like it's machine gun fire, like Rambo, you know, in words and thoughts and ideas. You like
2: machine guns. I
1: know, but I like them pointed at the enemy, not at me. (laughs) That's the difference. Machine guns. And so she is so fast with her thoughts and her ideas, and I can't keep up. I just can't keep up. And so we've had to learn how to deal with that. And so I've learned to say, hey, babe, I really want to hear you and understand you. But you're talking a little bit too fast for me to do that. And I know you're going to ask me the trick question at the end of this. What did you hear me say? And I don't want to freak out in that moment. So can we take a pause? Let me ask a couple questions, make sure I understand. And then we can circle back to where you were going.
2: Yeah, and the circle back part is actually really important because if he says, I hear what you're saying, I want to give you a response, but I need some time to process. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk about this tonight or let's talk about this tomorrow or let's talk about this Saturday when we have coffee. That is everything mm-hmm. because it's all about communication, right? We all know that expectations without communication are going to set you up to fail in like, all areas of life, yeah. expectation, because we all have it, but if you don't communicate it, you're gonna be set up to fail, mm-hmm. right? Here's what's so cool though, whether you're alike or whether you're different, whether you're single looking to get married or not, I believe that everyone is given, like this is my imagination, okay? I'm gonna mm-hmm. enter, you're gonna like come and see this picture with me. It's like you enter into marriage, and here's what's so cool. I feel like God hands you a toolbox okay? And you, like an actual toolbox full of tools. Like Charles is like camo and awesome and has like a merge stickers all over it probably. <laughs> and my toolbox is like sparkly and probably looks like this. Okay. But inside of it are tools. Yes. You're going to have things like a chisel and a hammer and a shovel and safety goggles and all the tools you need in life and in marriage. So here's now where you have a choice. You can take those tools And you can beat each other with them, Mm -hmm. you know, and you can create wounds or you can build a wall with those tools or you can do things that are not destructive or you can take those exact same tools and you can start chiseling away at each other and finding the gold inside of one another. I believe that's what God is always wanting us to do with those. And and let me me again talk to the singles if that's okay. Like, here's, here's something else that I feel like the world has kind of sold a lie to all of us, which is like, find someone that makes you happy. Just find someone that makes you happy. Happy's an emotion. So first of all, that's gonna change, right? We don't make decisions based off our emotions. And so I totally believe that God's going to bring someone into your world that's going to make you happy. But I also don't think that's the ultimate goal. I think God is more concerned about your growth than he is with your comfort. Absolutely. So therefore, I think God is going to bring someone into your life that's going to be a little bit different than you. That's going to to come with a set of tools that's going to help find the gold in you and chisel things away. And sometimes there's going to be sparks. You know, there should be sparks in marriage, the good ones and the not so good ones, right? We talk about uh, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. And when iron is sharpening iron, there are going to be sparks. Mm-hmm. But that is a good thing because that usually means that the chiseling is happening. Yes. Or there's sparks, which means something's getting rubbed, something's getting smooth, something's getting perfected. Yes. That is what your spouse who's different than you can bring.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And just touch on that point again. If you're single, you know, I talked to a lot of men and you might be like me, like before you're ready to take on the responsibility of another human, you got to feel like you've got it all, you got to figure it all out. Like you got to have all the money, you got to have the house, you got to have this and that and the other. But God didn't design it like that. Yeah. God designed you to build a marriage together. Where you're at. Yes. That's the greatest thing when you actually have a partner to build something with. You know, if you know in business, partnerships are always the greatest success by sole proprietorships. So I just watched Tessa's mom and dad, you know, where they started looking back through the, the memory lane book. And it's like I see this single wide trailer, two young people in love. They started with what they could afford and they built from there. And then over that start, I've seen them build custom homes in multiple states around the country, you know, have private yacht, uh, 200 different muscle cars, Plymouth Mopars. I mean, it's just been amazing. But they started somewhere and they built it together. Yes. You know, when we started marriage, we started in a two bedroom apartment with an air mattress that had a hole in it.
2: You guys, it was so terrible. Because if you know anything <laughs> it about was my exciting, husband. Exciting,
1: not terrible. It was
2: in the middle of the night, he'd be like, Do you hear that? <laughs>
1: yes. That.
2: <laughs> That's what it was. It was the air mattress, and lights were going on, and duct tape was coming out, and it was like a whole thing, because he was gonna fix it for me. You know what I mean? So that way when he got up, I wouldn't hit the floor. But it never happened. I still always hit the floor. But that is how we started. And then we went to IKEA. And and bought a bed, put it together with that little wrench, which means we probably argued the whole time, right? But then we put it together. We were like, look at us. We are living the life. We got a bed. I mean, like, so yes, I 100% agree. Find your person and then build your life together. It doesn't mean you put your life on hold if you're a single. Live your best life right now because that will be attractive. But don't worry. God never, he doesn't, there's not a ceiling, right? You can just keep going. So it's going to be good.
1: So, hey, point two is a really good one we've been unpacking lately, but uh, I had this really like, you know, aha moment about how to fight right. And so most of our marriage, you know, I, I'm sad to admit it, but this was a truth. But, uh, you know, I would defend the attack with a counterattack. So when my wife would speak, it was kind of things where I heard you, that finger would come out like you always, you never, you this, you that. And it just immediately put me on the defense. Even
2: if I wasn't doing that, you felt
1: That's like that. how I felt. That's how I felt. And so I had to learn that something had to shift in our marriage yeah. So because it's just two people arguing and we're not going anywhere. So I got some healing in this area, and I I realized that, you know, there were certain trigger words that with my childhood trauma of judgment from my father, I was taking that into marriage. And so someone so close and so dear to you, your spouse... That's the one that can speak the most life or death over you that I would get triggered when I felt I was being judged by the person that's supposed to love me. So I would often come to my bride and just say, hey, can you just communicate in a different way? So we've learned that, you know, and we're still learning this, but instead of those trigger words, you always, you never, can you say, rephrase it like this? I feel disconnected when you do this. I feel disappointed when you do this. I feel unloved when you do this. I feel unappreciated when you do this. I can receive that. I don't have to go to machine guns and ready to take her out in the trench if she communicates... (laughs) Let me know how she feels. It's not, you know, so anyway, a tip so, for some of you so out there. So don't
2: criticize your driving. Yes. I, I want to stay in the trenches yes. with you after this. I feel
1: years. safer when you drive 70 miles an hour.
2: Hey, no, that that's probably actually work. probably not. Although safe I can on never California drive roads. 70
1: miles an hour on the California Yeah,
2: that's road. probably not a good idea. But <laughs> where are we at?
1: Okay, right here. You know, so it, it's never really been about, you know, what she's communicating. It's always, she's generally always right. I don't know about the other men out there, but, like, she is for me. She is for our marriage. She is for our kids. Yes. So if something concerns her and she brings it up, even though it's not, maybe not delivered like I want it, she is generally right. And so we can go to guns or we can go to thought and reflection and pause and think about what she's really trying to say. And then we find that, you know, hey, I can I can do better in a couple of those areas. You know, Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those that love it will eat its fruit. So if you look back at your relationship, would you say that you have been speaking death? Wow. Or you've been speaking more life? Wow. And that's okay, either one. But if it's death, you definitely want to change the way and what you're speaking over your spouse. You can change it yep. with the words that come out of your mouth. That right there just shows you how powerful your words are. Yeah. You know, so I encourage you to speak life over your relationship.
2: Yeah, Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Nobody wants to stir up the anger. You know, we need to listen to what the Bible says and do a soft answer. And I know there's been many times where um, I am a faster processor and I'm trying to get something resolved, you know, just so we don't have to circle back around to it. And um, and there's been times where um, it hasn't worked. And Charles is like, I'm going on a God walk. Mm. And he'll, like, leave the house. And he actually is praying when he's going on a walk.
1: Yeah, it actually looks something like this. So... The woman you gave me. (laughs) Don't start there. (laughs) And I keep walking, I keep walking, and God says, why are you pointing out her faults? The plank is in your eye. And then he starts saying, you know, you could have done this better. You could have talked softer. What can you own? What can you take responsibility for? She wouldn't be so upset if you would have done this and you would have done that. So by the time I get back to the house, taking it to God, people forget that when you stand in front of the priest, the pastor, and you say your I do's, there's three people in your marriage. I think a lot of times the third person, the most important person in the marriage, is just left back with the wedding gifts. Never really thought of again. You know, but I've had to learn to bring him into every argument, every disagreement, you know, because he wants to champion our marriage even more than we do. He designed us for each other. He knew we were meant to be together. And so when I take it to God, when we are just agreeing to disagree, God has always softened my heart. He's always caused me to reflect on what I can do to be a better man, a better husband. And it ends up like this. I come back to the house and... It's, it's so funny how God is working on her and God is working on me. And it's almost. You know why?
2: Because when he goes on a God walk, I'm like, yeah, God, get him. Tell him all the things he needs to know. Tell him how I'm right and tell him this and tell him that. And it works. Yes. However.
1: Absolutely. It God's work. working
2: on my heart too.
1: God's working on your heart. But wh- whoever says, you know, will you forgive me for, and you fill in the blank. I mean, that is the key to take all the power of the devil in a disagreement away in an instant.
2: Yeah, that's something we learned. Because I think um, because Charles had such a, what's that word, like tumultuous, tumultuous, not good past, Mm -hmm. um, he would hear like anything I would say if it felt critical, he would just shut down because he heard so much arguing growing up. And so he would just be like, fine, I'm sorry. You know, translation, just stop talking. I don't wanna do this anymore, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. And the problem though is if you don't deal with that and you're just trying to shut it down, it's gonna circle back around. Oh, yeah. That's how things do. So this is actually something we learned in, par- in our parenting that we applied to our marriage. We should have done it the other way around. But um, we learned if someone is at fault at something, if someone does need to ask, say I'm sorry for something, instead of saying I'm sorry, we say now in our family, um, you need to come and ask for forgiveness. So instead, it looks like, you know, I need to ask for forgiveness. I did this. I did this. I shouldn't have done that. Do you see the difference in the heart posture when you do it that way? So it's hard. You, you can't, you know, it softens you when someone comes to you and says, I need to ask your forgiveness for this. It means they're taking responsibility. They're taking ownership. They actually understand yeah. what it Absolutely. is. Yeah.
1: And just another thought I had, I didn't share this with any other service, but I really believe that people we've met with, counseled with, um, you know, there's a lot of undealt with childhood trauma. Yeah. that's probably showing up in your relationship yeah. and uh, it affects you more than, you know, I mean, to the point where I, I've lived a couple of decades not knowing the impact of childhood trauma. And so it affects your filter, your perception, how you communicate, how you receive. It affects everything. And it can affect your whole life if you let it. But if you get some counseling, you get some healing from it, you'll realize that's not the real you. That's not the one that God intended to be the spouse in that relationship. And God kind of showed me this imagery is if you think of like Moses, the Red Sea, the promised land, Childhood trauma is generally the Red Sea preventing you from living the blessed life that God intended. So in quick example, I can't explain it all right now, but basically all the judgment I received from a father figure led to perfection that led my whole life to achievements that were always empty. I couldn't receive accolades no matter what I did. Because I was so judged that I was never good enough. I was never valued. I was never emotionally connected with. And so when I come into a marriage, you know, she's asking, like, I don't feel like I'm emotionally connected to you. You know, why do you think I'm always judging you? And it just had an epiphany moment that, wow, all this childhood filter with the devil meant to twist my mindset is now affecting my relationship. And so, you know, I can get out of a lot of different scenarios, but I didn't know my pathway out of this one. So got some professional help, went back into childhood trauma, dealt with it, laid the blood of Jesus over it, took its power away. And then I can see fresh and new, and I'm not letting that define our marriage for the next 27 years. So 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 a short, quick tip. You want real breakthrough? That's where winning's done, right there.
2: So that's a really good point. It's like, are we going to God first? You know, um, it's if you really think about it, if you have anything in your life that's causing a little bit of angst, you know, um, in any relationship or any decision you have to make, are you going to God first with it and praying? Because here's the deal. Like, we see, like, this much of it. It's like looking through a telescope, you know? God sees the whole picture. So he's gonna bring clarity around anything you bring to him first, yeah. right? So if, if I'm responding to Charles and I, I know it's not the best way to do it and I, I can feel that I'm just, you know, I don't know. The, the Holy Spirit tells you, right? Like I'm doing the, what did you call it? Gun, machine Machine gun, gun yeah. nagging, dripping. And I can literally <laughs> hear, wow, that was a lot of adjectives there, Charles. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so if I'm doing all of those things, I can hear the Holy Spirit be like, just stop, right? Stop. Just stop talking. Like, close your mouth. This is not working for you, right? Um, And so I I remember there's been times like that where I felt the Holy Spirit say, are you responding to Charles the way I respond to you? Because here's how God responds to me. He doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Mm -hmm. He doesn't bring up my past and throw it in my face. He gives me grace over and over and over. And so if I'm frustrated here, you know, yes, absolutely, we have community. And I can like call Pastor Shauna and she's going to give me incredible advice. And there's times when you need to do that. But you first need to go to God because he's going to give you clarity. He's going to answer questions. He's going to be like, I gave him to you because he's there to bring you strength. He's got, he's got gifts and talents and, and, um, and a a perspective that you don't have. That's really going to help you. I remember one time, um, I was really frustrated and I was like, God, why did you make this so hard? Like we're so different. It would have been just a lot easier if you would have made us similar, you know? And I felt the Holy Spirit so clearly say, what if the ways that I made you different is the very thing I'm using to shape you mm-hmm. what if the ways that you're different like that ironing sharpen iron like the sparks that flow what if you're different because I'm trying to use those things that you're fighting against so much to shape you to bring something to you mm-hmm. see Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen as iron sharpens iron and the world will say find someone that makes you happy we talked about that a little bit but here's the thing Charles is not responsible for my happiness. He's not responsible for my happiness. He's responsible for my heart once I give it to him for a lifetime. But he's not responsible for my happiness or my attitude or my actions. We've got to get this right, you guys. Like a house divided cannot stand. Sometimes we look at ourselves, we look at each other, and we say, "Like, is it more important for us to be right, or is it more important for us to have unity?" It's more important to have unity because without unity, you're you're not going to have a blessing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So good, babe. So good. So, hey, I'm going to just hit you with a real big one. This one may change your life as it's currently changing mine, but uh, I was with a a counselor getting good godly wisdom, and uh, they knew to speak in military language because I could understand it. So in the Marine Corps, there was a fifth general order, do not quit your post until properly relieved. And I found every time that my wife and I were having an argument, that's what I would do. I would quit either mentally, I'd stop listening, I'd stop trying to understand, I couldn't wait till she finished, I was ready to walk out of the room. There's various ways I was quitting my post. And then he looked me in the eye and he said, you're no longer allowed to quit your post. And I'm like, well, I can't just sit there and take it. He said, you're not supposed to take it, you're supposed to understand. Understand your spouse's heart, their feeling, their emotion. You know, why are they bringing this up? It's so important to them. They want to feel they can connect with you in this area. And that changed everything for me. Instead of like going to guns, defending myself, looking forward to the counterattack, telling them my perspective, why don't you listen to me? We weren't getting anywhere. So I learned to be quiet, to listen, and to really try to understand this amazing, beautiful woman that God said, I'm going to let you cherish her for the rest of your life. I'm giving you my daughter and I know that you can be a great husband. And so that has been changing everything in our relationship is listening to understand. And then it went a little deeper because I'm still in the, the process of this. This is fresh. This is real. But I'm not I'm not judging. I'm not defending my position. I'm just like, babe, tell me more about that. What When I did this, why did you feel that way? I'm really digging deep to understand. And then the last layer, the hard one for me, and maybe for a lot of you out there, is to emotionally connect. You know, I was never shown emotion. I was with a counselor and she said, how did your, how did your family emotionally connect with you? And for the first time, like in my life, I was speechless. I didn't, I didn't even know how to answer that question. It's like, what is emotional connection? I never saw it modeled. You know, my dad was just distant, judging never a hug, never a gift, never came to any sporting event, was never there. I didn't know what emotion was from a father. And so I don't, I didn't know how to give that emotion. So I'm still learning and unpacking how to emotionally connect with my spouse. So I just want to encourage you, if you find yourself in some of those situations, don't listen to defend, listen to understand. And then really go a next level deeper and listen to understand the emotion, the heart behind the feeling, behind the wound. And then be willing to take it to God to process it, allow Him to show you how to emotionally connect, and then come to the table with true repentance. You know, and, you know, do your best to be better. It doesn't happen overnight. A lifetime of, you know, faults and failures is going to take a while to renew your mindset, to become new, to become fresh, but God wants you to win in that area. So we're just walking out what we've learned as 27 years of the trenches. We hope this helps somebody. We love you guys. It's it's incredible to just be up here to share and to help and encourage your relationship.
2: Why don't we all stand up right now? I think, um, I think you said it so beautifully, Charles. I think that what, one of the biggest things we've learned in marriage is that the issues from your past are going to continue to show up in your present until they're healed. Yep. You know, you bring all the things with you no matter where you go, right? Whether you go into marriage, whether you go into a new job, whether you move states, you bring you and all the things with you. So just like that beautiful example Charles talked about, about um, the childhood stuff that he didn't even realize was affecting his today, like this is a moment, guys. Let's not let this moment pass. Like you walked in here with, we all did, with some stuff, with some childhood things, maybe with some some wounds from some things that have been done to you, Um, new things, fresh things, old things. And, um, and this is a moment that I don't want to pass for you. I don't want you to walk out of here the same way that you walked in. Like, th- this can change. Whether you're married, you can lay some of this stuff down. That's why we call this an altar. You can lay some of this stuff down and not bring it into your marriage. Or it could be blocking you from things you don't even realize, you know? If you're single, let some of this stuff go so you can make room for what God has for you, yeah. right? So why don't you just close your eyes? I think we need to pray into that right now. Thank you. So dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that as we talked, Lord, it's not even just our words, God, it's the Holy Spirit that has just worked on hearts, that is just showing people right now what it is that um, could be blocking something, what it is that could be like a roadblock. And, and I see a picture, you guys. I see things that you feel like are brick walls, but they're really just like speed bumps. But the devil's lied to you and told you you didn't have this or you didn't see this or or this happened to you or this was a wound. And so therefore you've you've created it in your mind or the devil has lied and created it and made it feel like an actual brick wall. But it's like it's like a a brick wall that kids play with. They're just blocks, and if someone just blew them over, they would just they would just blow on over. It's really just a speed bump. It's really just a moment for God to say, hold on, just slow down for a minute. I want to show you something here. I want you to lay something down here. I want you to forgive someone right here. I want you to, to, to walk into what I have for you and the promises that I have for you different than, than what, you, what the way you walked in here today. So I just thank you, God, that you're working on hearts. I just thank you, God, that you are showing people that brick walls are not real brick walls. I thank you, God, that you are identifying things that have ran in through families that are now gonna stop in the name of Jesus. I come against any fear that anybody has about their relationship not being right, about their relationship not lasting, and I break that in the name of Jesus. I come against any disappointments in this place. Disappointments because maybe something didn't work out the way you thought it was going to, or maybe you're disappointed in your marriage, or maybe you're disappointed because you thought you would be married by now. That's a spirit. Let's let that go today. I understand disappointments. It's real, emotions are real. But if you hold on to that disappointment, it's gonna block what God has for you. It's like a brick wall, but it's not a real brick wall. So right now in the name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of disappointment over hearts and minds right now in the name of Jesus. The words that have been spoken over them to tell them that their marriage was gonna end up just like their parents, I break that right now in the name of Jesus. I I cancel any time they've come into agreement with that thought in the name of Jesus. We bind and we break. The spirit of disappointment, the spirit of unforgiveness over them right now in the name of Jesus. There are some of you in here that have wounds and they're real. But you holding on to that unforgiveness is like you drinking the poison and expecting somebody else to die or somebody else to have a consequence. Just give God that situation god says he fights our battles for us let god fight your battles for you today i'm telling you if you give that to god the relief you're gonna feel i can already see it i can feel it there's just there's a release of that right now so just just extend forgiveness it doesn't mean you're 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 accept it doesn't mean that what they did was right it just means you're gonna give it to god and you're gonna let god fight those battles we're gonna let god fight those battles so you can just move on Thank you, Jesus. Father,
1: I just want to leave them with this, that never stop fighting, fighting for your marriage. Never stop working on you, not your spouse. You know, become the best you. Seek God's wisdom. Reach out. Ask for wisdom. God freely gives it. God is for your marriage. God is that threefold cord. So God, just unite people in relationship today. May them circle back to you. God, invite you in. God, you can heal anything. And God, I remember Jesus, your son, hanging on the cross and everything that was done to him. He still looked out at humanity and said, Father forgive them, they know not what they do. There is power in forgiveness. So may this Sunday represent a new beginning in relationships. People are gonna forget the past, they're gonna focus on the strength focus on how great the woman or the man you gave me and God rebuild, reunite, deal with past uh, trauma from their childhood, not take that into their future. And God allow you to build some of the greatest marriages this world sees because God, when we fight for the family unit, we save America and we save freedom in Jesus name. Amen. (laughs)